This is Edgar Otraves with another episode of the Floro Podcast. If you're new to the show and curious about some of the things we do, head on over to our website at theflowrowpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can get yourself a mug, a t-shirt, etc. We are also on Instagram. We run under the name The Flowro. On this episode, I have my co-host, not my cousin Dan, and our very special guest, Rick Gavel. Rick Gavel is a director, producer, writer of independent films. He mainly does horror movies, and he's got a fantastic mockumentary called Michael Myers Absolute Evil, which actually won some awards. It's really smart, and he just knows so much about horror movies. It's amazing. It's actually pretty impressive. And there's this kind of hierarchy of horror movies that he explains. It's it's fascinating. Not my cousin Dan and I had tons of fun talking to Rick. Anyway, here's the show. Yeah, but I mean, you guys are 70 episodes in. That's pretty... Thanks. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's dedication to it. Yeah, and, and we have like... One listener per episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you got more than that. Yeah. I see your numbers. I mean, it's cool. But no, I, I, I was actually telling your 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 wife last night. I, so last week when I took my daughter to camp, mm-hmm. your wife was sitting like two arm lengths away from me the entire time, and yeah. I never knew it. Yeah. She had her hat on. And, she <laughs> and then your kids came out, and I'm like, oh my god, that's. Like, you see you guys all over the place. And I was just tell, remarking yeah. her about like, you know. You guys are talented for what you do. Oh, like I said, thanks. I don't listen to a lot of talk stuff. Uh-huh. And you guys have been my go-to at work the past seven days or whatever. Wow, bro. No, it's been cool. Like thanks. it's just it's just fun to listen. Fun to listen. So you guys have great. I'm not trying to fluff you up. Here. <laughs> I was giving guys paying compliments for them. Yeah. Dude, you guys have great voices for it. First mm-hmm. of all, like you have radio voices oh you know thanks. and 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 as i told your wife like the way you navigate these interviews uh-huh. like it's seamless like there's a there's an art to it you know conversation like the art of conversation is, is not easy and no. i feel like you guys do it quite well so compliments well, to both of you oh thank, thank you podcast as well. and i think oh, yeah. i feel like that's a great place to start yes <laughs> yes start this thing okay so I'm here sorry. we go uh welcome to another episode of the floral podcast this is edgar otra vez with not my cousin Dan Dobranoc. There we go. He's got that smile going. He was. <laughs> you held back. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> he was gonna do something weird. I was just gonna stare at you like, what? What am I? Am I supposed to say something now? Like <laughs> every episode, we gotta have this conversation. <laughs> and today we have Rick Gavel, who is a director. Uh, producer, just all-around filmmaker, writer. You've written 11, uh, 11 is it 11 uh, scripts or is it 10? Uh, 10 movies you've made. Gosh, I actually don't remember. It's hey, been quite a lot. Notes. It's been quite a lot. Give me the notes. I, and I have them in the notes. But uh, yeah, you, you've, so you've been at it for quite a while, man. So like you started filmmaking back, so like according to your first, according to your IMDb, your first movie, Loving Memory, or was it Gless in a 2010? Memory. A Loving Memory. A, okay, one. so A Loving Memory in 2010. So you've been at it for over 11 years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you making anything right now? 
No, no, because of COVID, that kind of complicated things. And so I've just been sticking to writing because I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get to making another movie. Like, I, I'm dying to. I really sure. want to. Oh, wow. You know, it's just addictive and it's, it's, it's just such a thrill. And it was like, it was my thing, you know. But it's, it's time consuming and it can be expensive. But like, COVID kind of complicated things last year. So I was... I've been tinkering lately with like transforming my movie ideas into books. Oh, and but honestly, though, my my heart is in the movie, so I know sure. I'll go back there. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I saw that documentary, um, uh, the the one with Michael Myers. Um, and Michael Myers, Absolute Evil. Absolute right. Evil. Yeah. I, Which was a neat concept. It was a okay. great idea. Concept of making making this documentary about. Michael Myers. Well, I don't want to say mockumentary because that's it's not a it's not comedy. It's not a comedy, but it's but it's this it's this presented in the format of a documentary, right? And I I thought that was a really cool twist. Thank you, thank you very much. No, I I enjoyed the movie. It was well done. Thanks. It was really well done. You had good actors. There was good direction. You could tell the like you. It's 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 a good professional film and. I, oh, you won you won something right you won an I award <laughs> what was what was the award that you won uh, uh, creative storytelling at the Fear NYC Horror Film Festival and it was very 2017, cool. I think yeah so I, like it was just it was genius like the wow, whole thing you treated you, so you treated all the all the movies as like the history of this killer right and and the, and like you you told the story of you know uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character in the movie as like a person it was it was just so clever Thanks. and right. i really no i'm 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 I really i thoroughly enjoyed the movie and Thank i was just you. like i was just like wow you know it, it's you know it's i don't know if if people get it sometimes but making a movie and and making it good it's very difficult. It takes. There's a lot of moving sure. pieces. There's you, you got like there's there's the of course there's the writing there's there's directing the people trying to get the people to do what you need them to do like get them to show up yeah to, to, to for shooting just I mean it's putting together a shooting schedule and then the shooting schedule actually staying on target yes yeah. yes yeah. exactly. Pretty like much I've, what we were talking about before I have, this. I have never made a film uh-huh. before, but I have been involved in more than one, like, uh, basically art directing mm-hmm. video projects. Just short videos. Mm-hmm. Three to five, maybe a 10-minute video here or there. Basically commercials, mm-hmm. you know? And just getting that done. Just getting that done. Like, something that requires one day of shooting yeah. is a monumental effort which mm-hmm. is making basically a feature length film it it boggles my mind oh, cool. that anybody accomplishes it so right. how do yeah. you how do you get all those people to like kind of cooperate and bring them in do you just like okay well this one's a little flaky that one's not not you know do you just drop them off do you already know some of these people uh, is there an interview process cuz i mean you're you're i'm i'm assuming you're making these on a string String, yeah, all, shoestring, all, all out of my own string. pocket. Yeah. 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 So I mean, like, you don't have big budget movie studio. No, no, no. no so no. like, how do you? So like, you, you're not paying people much, right? It's difficult, right? So then, how right. do you get these people to say, "Hey, man, you know, I need you to, for this film. 
how do you get them to kind of show up? Do you already know who they are or are they, or, or is there like an interview process? So, or a casting process per se. Or casting, yes, a casting process. So, so for Michael Myers, Absolute Evil is a little different than the other movies that, that I made. Um, so like A Loving Memory was the first one mm. in 2010. And that was a one actor, 18 minute movie. And uh, I'm really proud of it as being the first movie I did. And the actress who uh, was in it, by the name of Melissa Milan, mm-hmm. I credit her with everything because if that first movie was a complete disaster, I would have stopped. Mm. But she was so cool and so brave to do the things. I mean, it was, it's a freaky movie and, and she does some... Uh, some crazy things in it, um, but she was so brave with it and fearless and cool. And and being that it was my first movie, uh, I had no professional training. I never went to film school. I didn't know anything, and um, just to kind of do it. And because she was so kind and so talented, she made me feel comfortable with trying to make a movie. And um, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have continued to do stuff. To get her involved, um, I just, you know, things are a little bit different now, but I mean, you used to be able to use Craigslist to, oh, to sure. get actors. Yeah. And um, I put out an ad on Craigslist. Um, I gave a brief synopsis. She wrote in, and um, I don't like auditions. Like, I held auditions once for the movie Glass. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. My, I, I, have mostly picked my actors through interview process. Like, like um, they'll send me their headshot resume. Uh, and if they're cool via email mm-hmm. or phone conversation, like, like if they're genuinely inquisitive about the project versus I just want another title on my resume, that's a big plus. We'll go out somewhere for an hour or two. I'll explain what the movie is. And I feel like I have a pretty good radar about people. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to be a good fit, like if you're, you're not cool with me i don't want to work with you and yeah. like mm-hmm. i'm investing a lot of time in in the actor mm-hmm. as well not just the movies so, yeah um so with melissa we met and hit it off like she was on it and she i'm a really weird person <laughs> and she dealt with me and she got my weirdness mm-hmm. and so for the second movie glass a lot of the actors we, we had the audition process she helped with that um a lot of the actors were actors that she had performed with. So mm. that kind of bled that way into that. And then that also kind of fell into the third movie, Mockingbird. But for Michael Myers, uh, uh, after the Mockingbird in 2011, Melissa moved to LA. Okay. And she's doing acting out there now too. So, um, but for Michael Myers, uh, Absolute Evil, it was me on my own, pretty much. Um, I had this idea. <laughs> To, to, to make a Halloween fan film. And it was just networking. It was having to do a lot of cold stuff, but it was networking, putting out ads. Um, and, you know, one person would say, oh, I know who could help you on this movie. How about you go to this actor? And it just kind of went that way, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was it was a little bit more, um, it wasn't structured. It was more organic, I guess. You oh, know? That's it was, it was meeting people through people, people suggesting other actors to me. Um, that, that's what, how we, the casting went for that. Out of curiosity. So you say you, you didn't go to film school. You have no background in this. Right. How did it become the thing that you decided you were going to do? How yeah. did you make that decision? 
Yeah, uh, um, I've been a, a lover of movies forever. You know, um, uh, quick fun fact: the very first movie I ever remember seeing was when I was about three or four, and my dad had a pop top VCR. And yeah. I walked in to the living room as he wasn't in it. And on the screen was the original Toolbox Murders movie. Oh, so wow. At the age of four, <laughs> yeah. I saw this, uh, <laughs> this, this woman getting a nail gun to the head. And I'm like, <laughs> obviously way too young to process. It made an impact. <laughs> it made an impact. Young to process that. But, um, uh, I, 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 I've told that story before, like at, at uh, shows, like premieres that we've had, and it does get a laugh, but it's, it's 100% true. And I grew up on a diet of, I mean, I was, the movies I was watching as a kid were so inappropriate, but I've never <laughs> shown my own kids, but Night of Living Dead, uh-huh. Halloween, mm. The Shining, wow. The Thing, yes. you know, Terminator, Predator, Robocop, all that kind of stuff that I was way too young to kind of like absorb like what's really going on. But so I've been a movie person. And when I was in my mid 20s, I started thinking, well, I can write a script, you know, I want to. And I knew didn't know anything about script writing. But there's an organization in Chicago called the Chicago Screenwriters Network. Mm -hmm. And I went to a few of their meetings and they had this thing like the open script night type of thing. And you can bring a script and you will give it to two, three amateur and professional screenwriters there and they'll kind of review it. And I remember I wrote my first mm. script that couldn't format. I didn't know mm. anything about anything and formatting so big with screenplay. Yeah, it is. Um, they'll, they'll make it or break it. They'll, they'll toss it right out. Which I hate. Yeah. Because sure. you could have a great story, but if you don't know the I-N-T-E-X-T colon ball, that's right, like, yeah. come on, my God. Right. But, um, Interior, exterior, all that nonsense. Yeah. Right, right, I, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And, and, um, when I got my first review back, everyone hated it. <laughs> of course. This script doesn't make sense. This script is pointless. This script is, you know. Of but course. Yeah. I mean, them. it's your first one, right? I mean. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. But um, but you have delusions of grandeur. Of course. You, know, you think you're going to be the next Paul Thomas Anderson or something. But Brenda, my wife, mm-hmm. was a student, uh, grad student in Loyola. And I just told her one day, hey, I got this idea for a movie. And she's like. I can rent film equipment for you for my school. Wow. Um, Loyola. Yeah. She's like, why don't you just make it? And so. That's amazing. Yeah. She did that for you? She did. She went through the uh, ice and snow because we started filming that first movie in December. Wait a minute. Okay. So hold on. Before you get any further with that, what kind of equipment were you shooting on? Was it film film? No, no. It was, uh, it was, uh, that was. Canon GL2. Okay, so okay. it was a uh, uh, DV, DV, HDV. So, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, she had the big metal case for that, and then she also brought us mics and and lighting stuff. All this stuff, I had no idea how to use. Yeah, I was going to say, able like, to rent all this stuff for free. Yeah. How long did it take you to teach yourself how to like how it all works? Well, you don't have well, a long time when you rent stuff out of a cage. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> you you get it like if you're lucky, or or did you basically just be like, I'm going to set it up and hopefully it works you know yeah so yeah that's a good question because there's all kinds of things you gotta you gotta meter lights 
you gotta you gotta worry about uh, how long, like if how I much knew how to do that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I didn't, we didn't oh, even right. use. Yeah, it was like it was just like turn turn this light on. Oh, it's too bright. Okay, face it at the wall. Kind of <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was learning on the fly. There was wow. That must have been so rough, man. That must have been so hard. It was, but I was so naive uh-huh. that I was just like so in love with the process you were excited yeah 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 yeah. that first movie a loving memory was a four four person project it Uh was myself brenda Uh um we had a cinematographer named chris who was a guy that chris tire who Uh is a great artist amazing artist and um he gets all the credit for teaching me how to edit teaching me how to run a camera what to look for Mm -hmm. um so I mean, that first movie, I lucked out. I had an amazing actor. I had a, a, a friend who was great behind the scenes with the camera work and the editing. Mm, post-production. Supportive wife. And, mm-hmm. then, and then me just kind of like fumbling through everything. Wow. So it all came about. And because... That, Do you know how lucky you are, man? You must... That, I, yeah. You are super lucky because at least back in the day, those cameras were a good few thousand dollars. The, the, yeah. the Canons were... I don't. I, I don't remember. I mean, I mean it's all. It, it's only. Thing? It's only yeah. really recently. Yeah, the cameras, that are, cameras and mics are accessible. Yes. you know, cameras yeah. and mics that that. I mean, they may not. You you don't really need necessarily professional equipment anymore. Yeah, you can get consumer level equipment for like a a, a digestible price. Prosumer, you know. Yeah. Prosumer, right? The, yeah. But yeah. like you can you can get away, and and I mean people have done this as an exercise for years now, mm. shooting entire movies on iPhones. I was about to you say know? you can set your iPhone to twenty four frames a second, yep. or and get the film quality type. Oh, that's cool. Feel you know, like, yeah. Like uh, right, it's automatically set to thirty frames per second, but there's even versions in there you can go to sixty frames per but, second. Yeah, like nonsense. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know if you remember this yeah. back back when I really like I first started doing stand up, mm-hmm. and like my my flame burned real hot real fast. Like I started having way too much success. Uh, like I, I got way ahead of myself mm-hmm. and I started getting booked for stuff that I had no business getting booked for. <laughs> but like at that time I had this confidence and it's like, I'm going to start making like shorts, you yeah. know, I'm going to start making uh sketch comedy. I'm going to start doing all this other stuff, like build the mountain of content, you know? Yeah. And I went out and I, I don't know if you remember this. I bought a Canon 7D. Oh, because when those came out, they, it was like this, it was a huge deal. Like they were expensive, but not, not like buying a red yeah or or something you know like you could shoot cinema cinema quality f- video with a canon like they were shooting movies with them when they, yes. when those movie those c- cameras first came out people were shooting movies with them they were shooting like full tv shows with them just to kind of prove that prove that you could do it so i bought one and proceeded to make nothing, but but be, like be, like I I shot a lot of stuff. Yeah, and then it it was just like the trying to edit it together. Yeah, and like you know, and I like I have a background with photography, uh-huh. not video or film, but photography. Yeah. So like I have a pretty good sense of like framing and composition and and lighting mm-hmm. and making everything look consistent. But then when it got to be like, Jesus, editing is hard, man. You know? You see, that's the funny thing. Like, editing is a part that I enjoy. 
editing is if if given the time, you know, mm. I I I will I will like sit and tweak and cut forever. But like right now, because even with like the stuff that I do for the podcast, it's not complicated stuff. You know, it's just cut here, cut yeah. there. You know. It's like, oh, this is taking forever. It's fucking brutal, you know, because it's like, it's like I got to get to the next thing, you yeah. know, and that's the anxiety is caused because of that, but yeah. not because I dislike the process. Yeah. I really do like the post-production process of all these things that I do, like for the podcast, the editing of the video, all the little nonsense oh, things. I, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the, the hard part for me is getting is, is the scheduling. Mm. you know which is why i asked you because it's like it's like herding cats man can't be yeah it, it, it's like sometimes you know you you got you got you got it all planned out and it's just waiting to fall apart yeah. <laughs> it's just like whoa yeah 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 and and it's just it's just the way things are you know it's because like like what i was saying you know before like you know we're dealing you know everybody's a grown-up they all got grown-up lives yeah you know this this thing that i'm doing it's it's fun you know mm. and yeah, can't expect everybody to come out and play when you know when they I'm can. like you. I I, I love uh, editing is my favorite part of the process. Oh, nice. Uh, more than writing, more than filming, <laughs> more than casting, more than scouting, all that kind of stuff. I mean, editing yeah. to me because I um I use Final Cut, mm. and so like for a loving memory, uh, I use Final Cut Express, which didn't have all the bells and whistles. But then I went and bought. Final Cut Pro for Glass, the second movie. Mm. And that movie, you know, I had a gr great cast, again, like really supportive people who did a wonderful job. Like they acted their butts off for, you know, a, a, a 50 minute movie that was just an absurd, like, uh, kind of an experimental film. And, mm. and they acted their butts off for it. And they did an amazing job. But, um, like I learned from glass that I oversaturated the hell out of it with effects oh. because I fell in love with final cut pro yeah. and I was up till three o'clock in the morning sometimes. And I'm just like, well, it, first of all, it's a psychological supernatural type movie. So to make it kind of trippy and psychedelic was the point. Like it was, it was not, it was supposed to be distortion of reality type movie. So you would, that the idea of it is like you can like a person would be on screen talking and I had to have stuff moving in the background because it was through the eyes of someone who was unraveling. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. And so, and so, but I, I spent way too much time layering the shit out of it with the visual <laughs> sure. effects. Yeah. Where I think it's a cool looking movie, Yeah, but the audio is horrible horrible uh -huh. horrible it's it's inaudible yeah. oh and, that's and, too bad yeah and and that is what i think killed it um i if you could watch the movie on mute <laughs> with like a soundtrack yeah. of like spooky music that would be the best because visually <laughs> i think it's startling and i think yeah. it's cool uh but yeah, the, the audio is what killed it but but yeah. same thing you know i for the, the third movie mockingbird i finally evened out i'm like after seeing glass on the screen i'm like oh god like it just sounds so awful and it was a and it hurt the film a lot but i also felt like i disappointed the actors who studied their lines and memorized it and like oh put in all the work you know they work. yeah there's dedication that goes yeah. into this sort of thing they gave and, their time mm -hmm. for 
I don't even know if I was able to pay anyone for that one. But yeah. like, do you ever think about trying to like remake it, uh, like a new a new vision yeah. for that film? I think I think now that I'm a little bit more experienced, I would be able to do it better. I definitely audio wise a lot better. I'm I'm a lot better with with working with audio, and I appreciate the burden of audio. I appreciate what you're doing with mixing audio and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, that would be cool, you know. But that was a bigger movie. That had like nine or ten actors in it. Versus mm. the first movie only had one. And you're talking about scheduling. And yeah. like we, I, I had to get a special effects makeup artist as well as a makeup oh. artist. This guy did prosthetics for one of the actors, like the face mold and everything. So wow, yeah, getting him, getting another makeup artist, getting the camera operator, getting uh, a, a sound guy. All to, and then like the location we rented an Airbnb place just to have, um, you know, a, a place away from other people's homes. That That's really in. smart. And then all the actors, like, I think there was only one or two days. I think maybe the filming was like, I don't know how many days it was, but there was only one or two days where we had practically everybody. And that's mm. the thing too. Like when you're making a movie on your own, um, you don't have the luxury, you know, you're working nights and weekends. Yeah. And because people sometimes work on weekends, you're like, when you break it all down, it's like, shit, I have a lot to do in what, like, so these are, 14 hour days then because it's like well you're going out of town and you yeah. can make it for another two months and don't cut your hair because you're in this scene which comes at the end of the movie you know holy right. crap. So, yeah. so a lot of the, those actors toughed it through long days 14 hour days sometimes just to get it done that's and rough because and then, you had to get so many people in and they yeah. would sit quietly in the kitchen and it wouldn't make a sound it's like okay this scene's over now you two guys are up you know so. you know what's funny is like i had set up a thing where I had a friend and I, we did a, a fight scene, right? We were just putting together a fight scene for fun. This was like 10 years ago. So I said, I said, let's go. And, what? You remember we shot a couple of shorts in we my shot garage. A short, yeah. And we started doing like all this green screen stuff. <laughs> and I, like, I remember one in particular where like we were doing this shot and you actually never ended up doing anything with no, it. No, I didn't want to do but, anything. Like, but but we did this green screen shot where like I hung you from the ceiling in this in this climbing harness yeah. that you were wearing. And I actually remember while we were shooting it, you you, you like broke character yeah. for just a second you're like i can't do this anymore it hurts and, yeah. I, and i remember in the moment being like like mad like what are you a pussy <laughs> <laughs> it's 15 seconds just say your line again it, it was like it was like riding up my butt and yeah. my crotch yeah. and it was like splitting me in half at the then, like, afterwards like we i let you down and afterwards we were like oh because i put the harness on you backwards <laughs> <laughs> I thought it had to go on that way. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and then because well, it had to because I think I think the the way the harness was we couldn't have the thing show me show yeah. me rope from the front, right? But, but it was like you went out and you bought a green screen. Oh yeah, I got to it. shoot this thing, and, and we, then we never did anything. Never like, did. You got so soured on it, you never did well, anything it was, with it. It wasn't that it was I was soured on it. It just looked stupid. It was well, just, yeah. because yeah. it was just like you could see the the harness. I tried to like take out the harness. Yeah. With After Effects and whatnot, and it just—I was like, "This is stupid. I don't know why I fucking." <laughs> this is this. stupid. Yeah. Green screens are stupid. <laughs> Dan is stupid. Movies are stupid. Movies <laughs> are stupid. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why I haven't done shit since. No, but um. So you had to do a hanging scene. 
We did a hanging like, like you were like we were we were it was like some kind of weird. Well, because like, we were gonna be you were gonna be like falling. No, it was a UFO thing. We were gonna I was gonna get beamed up. Or, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, either you were gonna get beamed up or you were gonna be like falling, uh-huh. and there's gonna be like you were gonna like like green yeah. screen some like like buildings in the I background what or the something. Story was it was something, but but weird, it was like, yeah. Either either you were getting sucked up or you were falling, and so like you were doing this. Ah, I can't remember. I can't know. remember if it was like a metaphysical kind of storyline. It, it was like, a joke. Just, it was. Was it a joke? It was I can't remember. Be funny. I remember. I remember there was a, a UFO involved, and and there was me either getting beamed up or. Beamed and I also down. remember this is one of the things that we shot with the seven D that I bought. Was that shot with the seven D? It was. It was shot with the 7d and sure i'm pretty sure because i had the film yeah i gave it to you okay i don't know like i gave you the flash card well there was there was this thing well the 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 thing i was going to talk about not that but like i shot i was (laughs) to your point about like trying to get people schedules and all that stuff like me and a buddy of mine shot a fight scene in an alley and it was you know we started like you know i don't know like 10 right 10 in the morning on a you know summer sun you know summer sunday and we only had that one day because we both were like married he had kids we just didn't have and we were gonna do it just this one day and so then we started at 10 o'clock it took the whole fucking day and then like you could see the time change (laughs) yeah in the cuts yeah because as the time went on it got like it got real bright and it got real dark yeah (laughs) and all of a sudden it's like we're shooting night for day now (laughs) right i couldn't even i couldn't i couldn't even do anything with it it's just like fuck it i'll just cut it together it looks fine (laughs) and then somebody in the comments put it on youtube someone in the comments like that's a long ass fight scene (laughs) if it got dark in the middle of (laughs) that was that other video we did we did the this thing called the competition you wrote this like like script for this was thing. that the one where like i was kidnapped where like i kidnapped you yeah yeah yeah. and yeah. then i was like like basically slowly killing you in the garage <laughs> and, and there was a scene where it was like like i you were taped in the chair and like you knocked yourself like you were trying to escape so like the point is you knock yourself over yeah and the way we shot it was like like I, I very like you got in with this really close shot yeah. of the base of the chair yeah. falling over, but it was me like slowly tipping you backwards in it, and then I dropped the chair, and you hit your head oh, against no. the toolbox, and you were like, and I remember because again, I like I lost my patience because I'm not a very good person, you know, <laughs> but like you hit your head on the toolbox, and you and you kind of lost your composure for a second. You're like, oh god, ah, and I'm like. What, did you hurt yourself? God damn it. Like, I remember seeing it in the footage. Like, where I was like, God damn it. Well, the funny, the funny thing, but part of it was, like, my character was smoking these cigarettes. And, like, like I had, I had kind of quit smoking at that point. But it was like, we need, we need, like, for the character, the character just needs to be chain smoking. And so, like, I went out and bought some cigarettes and I was smoking them. And you were like, they, like we're looking at both of us. We're looking at the film, and it's just like it's not smoking enough. So I went out and I bought a pack of Paul Mall unfiltered cigarettes, and so it just looked like I had a tire fire coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but it, like it looked really cool. It, yeah. it like fit what we were going for. Yeah. But but I just remember like by the time we were filming the part where like I tipped you over, and it was like I was so 
packed with nicotine. <laughs> like I, I was out of my mind. I was sick to my stomach. My whole house, because we were smoking in the garage, but we had the door closed to maintain the light, and it was hot as hell. And it was just like we had turned my garage into a smokehouse. My whole house reeked you must, of smoke. You must have been so annoyed with me by then, too. Well, because but, I was but there, was, I think, the whole fucking it, day. It was mostly, yeah. it was just like, I was sick to my stomach. Mm. I was so hopped up on nicotine. <laughs> like, I felt like it was oozing out of my pores. <laughs> and then I started smoking again. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I think I still have that someplace. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. I, 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 but like, and I remember after you put it up on YouTube, like all of a sudden it was like we were kind of getting excited because it was like people are watching this. It's yes. got like a couple thousand views, and yes. then finally, like somebody makes a comment. It's like, ha ha, fat guys. No, and, no, 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 no. It was like, oh look, fat bondage. Oh yeah, that's right, <laughs> fat bondage. I'm and like, well, fuck of, you, man. And, and, and like, fuck both, you. You don't get to watch this anymore. And both of us, both of us were like, should we just take this down? <laughs> no, you didn't. It no, no, no we have there. it it's there, but I took it off. Like nobody can see it because it hurt my feelings. I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send it. To, can I? Yeah, I'll send it to you. You'll get a good chuckle out of it. Uh, <laughs> no, that's that's. But yeah, yeah, the the thing you'll walk away with is wow, Dan smokes a lot. <laughs> so it took you all day to film the entire movie, or just a few scenes. No, it was a shot. It was a, the entire movie. It was a short, but it was. I think it's it was, eight minutes long. It's something. I man, I think it's like two minutes long. It might be. I mean, it's. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's. Uh, but so, like, I mean, we can appreciate the hard work it gets into. Like, well, like you're saying, it took you all day for a two to eight minute movie. I mean, think of yeah. the time and then all that you had to cut out to get your final yeah, movie. Yeah, like it's a really and like the sound's no good. No, you know, it sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah. this sounds yeah. absolutely horrible. And, and you kept injuring yourself, or I kept injuring you. Yeah, basically. There was one point where you slapped me, and I was gonna slap you back, but I, I slapped. Up. But, oh, I remember that, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. "You want me to like really slap you?" You're like, like, "Yeah, slap yeah, me." I was like, "Like, me. like." And, and, but do you want me to do like a stage slap? And you, and you were like, "No, just slap me." And I was like. Bam! And you got... I could see it in your like, eyes. You motherfucker. I could see it in your eyes. And I was like, you told me to. Yeah. You're like, I'm sorry. I was like, you motherfucker. I was tied up too. I was like, oh, you motherfucker. I don't know why. I was such a fucking nut. Because I told you. I remember telling you. Give it to me. Come on, man. Give it to me. And I lost my shit. Yeah. And it was scary. Because you're not a small dude. And I... Like, like I, I remember I being scary. like, this was... guy knows how to take me apart if he wants to. I don't know why you were scared. I was tied up. <laughs> <laughs> you were movie tied up by me. <laughs> Which like, means I was tied up. <laughs> well, fat bondage. Fat, fat bondage, yes. <laughs> so were you guys making this for uh, competition or film status? <laughs> just have fun? We, we were doing? just making it to make it. Yeah, you, just like we you do this got podcast. A <laughs> you, you got a bug and you were like, I need to make a movie again. Well, I I think it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, look at how cheap stuff is. Look at how we can do. I don't have to put it. And this was film. also, I think this was before I ever started doing comedy too. Mm, yeah. 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 So you went to, to, to film school, you got the itch there. And then after you graduated, you wanted to keep on making. Movies. Well, I, um, what happened was uh, I went to, and I went to school for film and animation. So I got like this whole, so I can, I can, I shouldn't say I can't cause I don't, Technology has changed. Do you still have that green screen? 
I do. I never got rid of it. Well, now we got to start shooting some stuff. Well, if you find a good harness. Do you, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any use for a green screen? I have a green screen. Oh, you see, he I, would. I, I, see, I've, of course I've, he yeah, does. I've, I've, uh, I'm not a big fan of green screens either because it, yeah. that's a whole other art form. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. And editing and making it look good. So a lot of, I don't use it too much. But mm. I, I, have, I have used it, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. It's it's difficult because you can't like hair, for example. You can't always get the oh, hair just right. No. It does, it's just like always like a little green, yeah, yeah in between yeah. the hair. Yeah, it's yeah. Just like. And then I I always made the mistake of because I was annoyed by stuff like that, mm -hmm. and I didn't want the either either the green or purple outline. So I would diminish, 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 and by the time I was finished, like half their face was gone. I was like, <laughs> diminishing so much because I didn't want that. But yeah. I'm like, well, now yeah. they just look like a ghost. And yeah. That's not cool. So no, I, I I get the pains of green screening, chroma keying, and all that. Oh, that yeah, chroma keying. Yeah. So yeah. like, so now, what do you edit on? You edit on an Apple? Is that what you're editing on? Yeah, Final Cut. Actually, you know what? That, that's the other thing that's kind of gotten in my way is that um, uh, the the Mac that I bought in 2009 to start making all these movies is now 12 years old, and right. it finally just kind of gave out on me like last year. No. Yeah. So I like it. it I would be scared to try putting up. I mean, I could still use it, but it's still running Final Cut from 2010. Yeah. Right. And so I would be afraid to go to go through all of the work that it takes to make a movie, to bring it to my computer, and then it not turn out right. So I am gonna buy a new computer and get you know updated stuff so I can do that. But like, yeah. I'd be nervous to try a project on this old computer. Yeah. So, but now, now you gotta get like you kind of gotta run a test on the new machine. You probably, you probably, probably should get new software while you're at it. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get uh, like like yeah. they're on Final Cut, you know, um, ten now. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I use that at work, and it's not bad. I liked Final Cut Seven better. To me, it was much easier. But it's also, I mean, I edited a bunch of movies on it, so I was pretty good. I knew the shortcuts. I could yeah. get things fast. Uh, but no, I don't really like the interface in Final Cut 10. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it, it's a lot. It's like iMovie on steroids, and I okay. don't like mm. the interface. Like it, they they try to make it really simple for you, but to me, it's too simple. I hear you. And like yeah. all the buttons and bells and whistles that I was used to, that I knew where they were, are gone. Everything's gone. I and almost feel bad about it. I. I made the commitment to Adobe years ago. Yeah, me and too. so so it's yeah. like everything is, is I work After with Effects? is Adobe. Yeah, After Effects. Uh, I use all the Adobe products like Premiere, After yeah. Effects. Okay, and okay. Premiere, for me, I hate Premiere. I absolutely hate it. But it's because it the interface does not make it's not intuitive for me. But then I sit down and I start using it. Mm -hmm. And and it, you you can kind of customize the interface to be almost whatever you want, kind of whatever workflow you want it to be. You yeah. can make it, and you just have to get used to that. There's a lot of getting used to. That's how Adobe products are, though. There's a lot of just getting used to it, and and used to a different way that this software developer wants you to use their products, and like. With Premiere, once I kind of get to that point where I'm feeling comfortable with it again, and, and and then I can discover like, oh, there's a lot of utility here, 
And part of that utility is the fact that you can customize that workflow basically any way you want. Yeah, I there there are things like some some of the things that annoy me with just Adobe products in general is just like they what they do is they they all change a shortcut for example. Yeah, they'll do something like okay, so now uh, the 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 way to kind of enlarge something isn't just isn't Alt anymore. You don't hold the Alt key and then right. drag out. Now it just does it. And it's just like, what the fuck? I was used to, or, I know you're trying to make it easier for me, but now you just fucked up everything. You know? The other thing that's weird about Final Cut 10 is there's no more saving your file. What do you mean? Yeah. You don't save anymore. It saves it automatically for you, and I cannot stand it. Because with like, I used to- Premiere does that too. That would, yeah. It drives Auto me nuts. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Because um, while I get the idea that they want to save you a headache if you forget to save- I mean, who can forget to save? But if you do, like something happens, you forget to save or you lose power or something. I get it. Like, like it's like every, I don't know how many seconds it like saves and then saves and saves and saves. But like what, why I loved working on the Gless edit in which I made it as psychedelic and as weird as I wanted it was I could stay up late one night and just mess up the visuals of this one scene. I wanted to be as creepy as possible. And then the next day, if I watched it back, I didn't like it. I'm like, nah, I'll just take out this and save it as a different name. And it was like really simple. And now it's like, you don't get to do that. Like, right. like it's, you almost have to save the same file, copy and paste it onto the yeah. timeline. Well, if I don't like this, I'm going to get rid of that. Versus like, you know, with glass, I had like so many different files, but it was like, that was part of, because I was learning as I was going. So I was able to see like an old version of it mm-hmm. and then redo it. But now with with the automatic save, it's like I I hate it. Like I I don't yeah. I like I also like the physical. I'm clicking on it. I know what the hell I'm doing. I'm saving yeah. it now. I'm done. Yeah. Versus you don't even get to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I you see I don't I don't edit as often as as you probably do. Um, so those things don't don't bug me. But I know what you're talking about in terms of like the the constant like updates that these software developers make. Yeah. They, they, all of a sudden now your workflow is different. Right. Mm-hmm. You just, just, these just seemingly save. small things. Yeah. Completely change your, like when, Oh my God. Like I still deal with this on a daily basis when they change. Now we're not talking about video anymore, but when they, they made a change to Photoshop with the 2020 release, mm-hmm. the 2020 release of Photoshop where when you're resizing things, in Photoshop, you know how you would hold control, yeah, con- or, either control or command or, on, a, on yeah. an Apple. You'd hold control and it would lock. It would lock your the uh, proportions. proportions. Yeah. Right. Well, they changed it so that now by default it locks the proportions, and if you hold control or command, yeah, it takes it out of that. So now it screws everything up. It makes it l- and, uh, and so now like it, or it, it that one thing literally reversed the workflow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. And, and it's like, they didn't actually tell anybody that. They just sort of did it. <laughs> and so, so, like, to this day, uh, like, uh, even after technically two years of, of that software release, to this day, every single day, every single time I work in Photoshop, I hold the control, and now I fuck up all my proportions. You know, I you know? think you can actually change you can turn that. it off i'm yeah. sure you can turn it you off you could probably turn it off but, but it's that's like, too much work well you got to go look for it yeah i was about to say you have to <laughs> well, go find but it but you're used to it yeah, yeah. You're used to, and, and you and, like what you're used to and i'm old now 
I'm an old person, and so adapting to things is not what I do anymore. Don't worry about it, man. I'll yeah. send you. I'll send my kids over to your house and have them set your VCR for you. <laughs> I wish I still had a VCR. I found a box of, of VHS tapes the other day. Oh yeah, and I can't watch them. <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's crazy because like DVDs are going out too. Like, oh, I think I said this on a on a, on another episode. I like. Until very recently, because somebody loaned me something on DVD, uh-huh. I had not used hard media in probably a decade. It's probably been 10 years since I've used media that wasn't some way streaming. I saw something, and it kind of bothered me, and I can't remember where I saw it. Uh, and guy helped me. I, I don't, you know, if I'm wrong, internet, don't, don't kill me. But it was something to the effect that Amazon says that the videos that you purchased the 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 on demand stuff that you purchased from them does not really belong to you or to them it's just and i'm like well what are we doing well, here i guess like it's yeah, kind of similar to though like technically you know i'm looking at your dvd shelf right now they're mine but i don't you, own them you you yeah. own the copy of that dvd yeah. you don't own that movie or that tv show oh so you're talking about from maybe a rights perspective I, i'm willing to bet that's what they're talking i about. bet that's yeah. probably what it is because it would suck if i go to my fucking queue in amazon for example and can't find a movie because they decided i don't own it anymore yeah that would suck that's not right yeah 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 no i mean i'm i'm um a collector like i like hard copy stuff so i still buy cds and and dvds, DVDs. just because i like to ha- you know i have a big collection so i like to have it like digital i get it it's very convenient but like yeah my dvd collection uh, massive i i used to be a lot more like that i mean i i have boxes and boxes and boxes of books and movies and music sitting in my basement and I'm still to that to a degree, even with digital music, because I don't like using Spotify. Mm. You know, I don't like using Apple Music. I tend to want to buy the album and actually, even in a digital format, I want to have the actual file. I don't want to stream it. You know what I miss, man? I miss opening up either a cassette or, or a DVD or a CD and then pulling out that song yeah. list. Yeah. And the artwork, yeah. yeah. Reading the liner notes. Yeah. All that stuff. And like, you know, you look at, you look at, if you go back to the 80s, especially uh, most, you know, specifically like horror movies that were on VHS in the 80s. I'm I'm referring horror because that's, that's what I know the best. The artwork on the box covers, like, like there are groups on Facebook and stuff dedicated to the artwork of 80s horror movies, VHS covers, because... When you bought the movie, not only did you have this, you know, hard yeah. version of something that that you liked enough to have to pay money for it, but like you got it was the total package and the artwork on those old movies. Like I still remember to this day going to VHS stores that weren't Blockbuster that had all the more obscure things, yeah. mom and pop uh, uh, video video stores. And the artwork made such an impression of whether or not you wanted to see the movie. Absolutely. And, and so you're owning the whole the whole thing yeah and you know some of those some of those 
posters and and the the box covers are are just iconic now you know like yeah absolutely um to the, when you look at the poster for like the original halloween 1978 yeah. you know with with the jack lantern and michael myers and the knife like that just sticks with you so you're not just buying the film you're buying all of that in the package and yeah. even the package gets an emotion out of you and and it kind of excites you or it scares you and mm -hmm. you know so that to me that's just missing like in the di digital form yeah you get to see the movie and that's cool but like for my taste I'm, i just like to have all of it i mean there's like i've seen some of the art that you're talking about i've seen like in pinterest if you type sure. in any movie yeah. there is going to be a retro version of a poster mm. for that movie like you you can you know type in like uh you know kill bill for example you know, somebody is and someone some, made a, yeah. somebody made a retro like version of an yeah. '80s version of a poster mm -hmm. of, that, of that movie. Yeah. It's it's it, it doesn't and, and it, you can type in any movie, and then some people right. will like redo, like oh, you know, remember this? Well, now I moved uh, I moved the head or I put the the body this way, and I added an extra person, and this is like, well, it looks just like the old poster, except <laughs> yeah. now there's more stuff in it, right? You know? Yeah. So like I just I know I know the aesthetic that you're talking about. I love it too. Like Yeah. So we've gotten a little bit away from kind of your filmmaking. And, and I want to just kind of loop it back there because yes. that's that's what we we're here to talk about. Absolutely. Know? And it like it's fun to diverge into stories about me hanging Edgar from my ceiling. That was awesome. That was a great story. Yeah. So <laughs> those are the experiences you get when you make a movie. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So you are like a dedicated horror movie aficionado. It sounds like I, I would say I, yeah, it's, it's my preferred genre. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I find that interesting because for a long time, a long time, like into my thirties, I demanded people would ask me like, Oh, so you're into horror movies. And I'd be like, no, not really. But I love horror movies, and yeah. I always have. And for some reason, it was like, no, I'm not like an aficionado or anything. And then, and then it was actually, <laughs> when I say well into my 30s, I mean last year. <laughs> when, when we were doing, we did an episode on our favorite Halloween movies. Or yes. we did two episodes, yeah, our right? Favorite, our actually, favorite, three episodes. Our favorite uh, horror movies. Our favorite horror movies. We did it around Halloween. Yes. And... You, Edgar was like, let's let's do an episode about our favorite horror movies. And I remember telling you, like, I'm not really that big into horror movies, but I guess I'll, I'll pick some. Yeah. And I sat down and I made a list of 27 <laughs> horror movies that I was like, okay, now I have to I have to I have to narrow this down to five. And it was and I'm looking at this list and I'm like, apparently I am into horror movies because I love horror movies and I I have seen like all of them. And I love going to see them, even ones that I know are going to be ho horrible. You know, I love horror movies, and and I am always so fascinated because, like, I spent so much time being like, "No, I'm not into horror movies." It's always so fascinating to me that there are people out there who this is their passion. Yeah, I love it. I love it, especially now that I've discovered that apparently I'm one of those people. So I ha so yeah. that's a good uh, segue because I need to ask then. What, I mean, is do you think it is that first impression at the four years or three year old version of Rick Toolbox Murders watching the <laughs> Toolbox Murders? Do you think that's what made you into a, a lover of horror movies, or I, is there something else that maybe you think influenced I th you? I think it was just 
being so young and being exposed to these movies that weren't age appropriate, mm. you know, yeah. like I met my parents were <laughs> just, you know, if, as long as it wasn't like porn or, you know, anything like incredibly graphic. But I mean, I'm, I look at like The Shining. Holy yeah. God, is yeah. that movie terrifying? And I love it. It's, my, it's one of my favorite. But I, I, I think just the, the constant exposure to it. But also there there is, there is I think... Like another kind of aspect of it is is um, so not only was it what I was exposed to, but like I, growing up as kind of like a as a weird kid without very many friends and just kind of being like an outsider, um, horror movies were something to talk about. Mm. Like like sure the other kids can't handle Night of the Living Dead. The other kids uh, can't handle The Shining, but I got, I can, I, I just watched The Shining and I can, and I can handle it and no, I'm not that afraid, although I was like terrified. So, <laughs> so horror movies were like another thing for me, like, it's how you identified, it made you cool. It, it, it gave me a bit of a confidence in that, mm -hmm. but all it really did was, was really, was, was really cast me further to desire because people don't, sure, kids don't want to talk to the horror movie but, kid, you know, because they're, they're, they're kind of creepy, but, I that, that was what I identified with, yeah, and it yeah. wasn't until I got older and in, into. Actually, it wasn't even until I got out of high school that I really found a horror community. And uh, my sure. friend Gabe Barron, who, mm -hmm. who um, uh, uh, I've mentioned to you before, the the owner of the uh, Resistance Pro Wrestling, um, he is a true horror movie aficionado, like the Rain Man of horror. He's mm. just you could. Like every title, every soundtrack composer, writer, director, actor, like he is just an encyclopedia of, of not Jesus. just horror movie, but d dude is ridiculous. Wow. And he has taught me so much. And like, uh, we used to hang out a bunch when we were younger and like, I'd show up, no shit. He'd give me 10 DVDs. Here, watch <laughs> yeah. these, you know, uh, he, he would, we would go together to horror movie conventions like flashback weekend, which is they canceled last year, but they're coming back this year. And just to see the horror movie community was cool. And like, oh, I got a place. Like, like, yeah, yeah there's yeah. actually, yeah. And here's the other thing too. And I know this is, you know, stereotyping, but like, I kind of feel like horror movie people are pretty compassionate. Like, like they get it. They know what it's like to be picked on. They know what it's sure. like to be the oddball. Like the most popular people in school, I'm guessing, are not the ones watching Necromantic, you know. Right. So, <laughs> right. so, but, but, yeah. Well, you have you, you have, have kids that watched Mister Rogers, and then you have kids that watched Faces of Death, <laughs> and they're different people. Oh my God. Yeah. You know? yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. And 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 um, so it's just the the, the community. At, you know, they're, they're in of course you know, Facebook and Twitter. Like it's it's all out there and YouTube. Like. Some of my favorite YouTubers right now, they're all horror movie critics or they, uh, I've, I've gone down the rabbit hole of extreme horror movies lately. And so like I've been, uh, the YouTubers that I follow and then just reading the comments, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of get it. Like you kind of feel a part of something, you know? Mm. So, so, um, do you, so the, the YouTubers, is that where you kind of hang out on social media? Like the YouTube, is that where you go? Yeah, I I, I don't have any other. Um, my Michael Myers ha Absolute Evil has a Facebook page, mm -hmm. but my wife runs it. 
Oh, interesting. Pretty much because she has a Facebook account. I don't. I, I got rid of my social media accounts recently. But I, I YouTube is my like social media outlet, I guess. Um, so you go out there and, and you how much time you spend on YouTube? Like a lot? Or and when you go there, are you are you looking at other YouTubers that do similar like other filmmakers or are you just or all of everything that you can think about uh if if you were to pull up my home page it's probably loaded with movie stuff right like like i've completely hit hit the non-interest on politics hit the non-interest on mm. sports hit the non-interest because i don't want to know all that shit like yeah. like i know the world's a dark place yeah and and but, you like to make movies about it I mean, <laughs> yeah. but like the the the, the like the, the YouTubers, the horror YouTubers that I follow, I'll drop a few names just mm-hmm. in case anyone's interested. Like, um, there's one YouTube channel called Couple of Creeps. It's a young married couple who watch the most, some of the most extreme, incredibly graphic horror movie. Like, there, 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 there's a Reddit had a thread recently about called the horror movie, uh, the disturbing movie iceberg. Okay. Um, and, uh, it actually started like a, a trend in the horror community, I think on YouTube as probably on Twitter too. But like this one person on Reddit listed out this like diagram of an iceberg and like, and on the very top of the iceberg is what you see. Right. But like all the shit below water is all the bad stuff. And that's what sinks the ship. And so the very top of the iceberg was all your pretty much commercial mainstream Freddy Krueger, Jason, Chucky, right? Huh? But then the further down you go, it's, it's, the it's darker, darker it and evil and stuff you should not be watching. Like snuff is on the bottom. Like okay, so snuff film. not mentioning no, the snuff. No, no, not getting into that. But like that, that, that is the sort of how deep it goes. So, and, so what, without going too into the snuff, yeah. what would be like the... Some so, of the dark films. Yeah, like, are we talking, like, Human Centipede here? <laughs> so, like, Human Centipede, I think, was, like, tier two. I think there were, like, six tiers. Oh, there's six tiers. Okay, I, so... I five or six. So, okay, like... So, so, so Human like, Centipede is at, like, number two. So, Human Centipede is just, like, like yeah. one level below mainstream horror. What what is darker than <laughs> crazy it, it, there there's there's a lot of do you want me to drop titles? Yeah, yeah drop some titles. Yeah, I, give, I mean, give Edgar some things to tag in the in the episode go. description. I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to tag this one, but maybe it's it's dark, man. No, okay, so give me give me a few titles. Okay, so like the darkest I think I've ever gotten. I've never seen Human Centipede. I don't. Saw the, it's it's don't. I've seen the one where I think Ridiculous. it's called Dead Girl, where she's a zombie. And then people try to like have sex with this zombie woman, and you yeah. know she infects everybody. Well, and- <laughs> okay, so like I guess I guess Human Centipede isn't really all that dark. It's just kind of raunchy. It's the concept and is disturbing. The yeah, concept is disturbing. It's raunchy and it's Ugh. it's kind of meta in that it knows exactly how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Like it's not a comedy and it's not comical. It's but, but it's, it's gross. Ridiculous. It's like his 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 uh, overhead projection of. Of his diagram of the people together with yes. the digestive tract is like, how is that not hilarious? Actually, do, do you know that? It sounds you know, do you know hilarious. That picture I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Do, do you know the the image I'm talking about? On his no, yeah. I have like his his hand drawn. Okay, yeah, yeah. that was actually made into a Christmas ornament. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so fucking. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's messed up. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like, human so, centipede is like I'm, I, this. According to this Reddit thread, like human centipede was like 
a tier two. So what's tier three? What's in tier three? Uh, well, I, I don't remember all the titles, but like, yeah, yeah, just give I, me I can name one or two like, that are yeah, like an example because I like okay. I, I want a frame of reference. Yes, for, that's okay. what I want. I okay. want to know like where I, I sit in this. Completely change the way you think about me as I sit here because sad, <laughs> sadly, I own some of these movies and it's like, yeah, I, I have some sick shit. My I, I'm but a, I'm a not, nut too. Here's the thing though you don't, you don't go or me. Yeah. Some people can eat dinner while watching these movies like i don't a lot of these these extreme horror movies are stuff gabe has given me or mm-hmm. things that i've just kind of found like you'll watch it to see if you can handle it and Oof. then and then you don't visit it again you know you watch it yeah and it's like because yeah. it stains your brain like you're not going to forget this oh, thing a mind virus it. totally yes. yeah. yeah yeah okay uh, so uh, a funnier title but very disturbing movie is a movie called slaughtered vomit dolls Directed by a nice guy named Lucifer Valentine. Lucifer? Lucifer Valentine. Like, and the, like the Satan? Yep. Okay. Yep, he's a Satanist. And, and a good it's a trilogy of films called the Vomit Gorge Trilogy. The first movie was Slaughter Vomit Dolls. The second one is uh, <laughs> Regurgitated Sacrifice. And the third movie is called Slow Torture Puke Chamber. Oh, and Jesus that's his, Christ. His, right? Now, I'm going right? to say this now. Now, those three movies... <laughs> yeah. Th- th- don't make a lick of sense there it's all visual mm. but it's to me i i am i i do like them i i don't go and watch them like you know much but like visually it's it's as close to watching a nightmare as i can imagine so is it like it's just it's 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 and it's, so that's a level three that's more like a four I oh okay yeah, all right four so even getting closer to five, what, are, yeah. what is because this? What is this series called? This, the Vomit Gore Trilogy. The very Trilogy. first movie was Vomit called Gore the Slaughtered Trilogy. Vomit Dolls. Yeah, and it's it's as bad as you think that title is. But it's but see to me it's like it's like you know horror movies. You get your jump scares and you have your antagonists and all this kind of stuff. This uh-huh. is basically just dark depravity and and evil shit. But uh-huh. it's like like I said again, the reason why I was really kind of taken by it was i'm like this is the first time i've seen on film like as close to what a nightmare looks like Mm. sounds like and feels like when you're experiencing it you know and so like that's crazy when i watch halloween Mm. or you know or watch human centipede or anything like i still know like as as engrossing as it might be or as as captivated as it might be or as much as i love it I still know I'm watching a movie, and like, uh, right? And that's kind of, and that's, and you know, you know, you, you huh. can be immersed in it. But like a movie like this, it's like, what the hell's going on? And it was just such a nightmare experience. I'm like, wow, I had never, and I think I was really taken back by it because I've never seen anything like it before. Okay, you know. So uh, would you say Lucifer Valentine is the Paul Thomas Anderson of a <laughs> shock horror genre? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. Uh, I, I would love to meet him. Really? Just to know, like, what kind of a guy makes this kind of stuff? Because he, I, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. he just, like his movies are so like, intense, and like he's got to be a scary and, dude. But I'm sure. Here's the thing, though. I'm sure he's a really nice guy. Sure, you yeah. never know it. You well, know? Yeah. who knows? You might, you might meet the guy and you'd be like, "Hey, yeah, he's weird." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, to and, make the movies that he does, it's like something's going on. And frankly, you know, you meet your average mainstream television TV executive. And those people are nightmares in trousers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> those people who make these, this, this 
well-intentioned pabulum for the masses are the worst people on the face of the earth downright criminals you know but see a guy like this i could you know you're, you're talking about the, the the movie execs right and yeah like okay so a guy like lucifer valentine is like i'm guessing looking at his credits is a lot like me and that he's doing everything he's writing it directing yep. it producing it shooting it he's doing it on uh, his marketing own. artwork all that kind of stuff um so yeah. like and that's another thing i think kind of cool like as gross and graphic and disturbing as this stuff is it's like it's as true as any movie out there because this is straight from him. It's his yeah. vision. It's out there, and you're going to be offended by it. Most likely, you're going to be offended by it. But this is what he he wants to get out. Well, of I mean, that's his intention, yeah. right? That's what he's shooting for. And if he yeah. accomplishes it, then yeah, good for him. But I guess what I want to ask about the about that movie was is that there's no story. It's just no. There's visual. A story. There, there's, there's a story because you said it, it didn't make any sense. There's a. St- well, there's a synopsis on the back of the box, but like, uh, to me, it was it was difficult to follow. Yeah, I, like, um, is familiar with like David Lynch? Okay, uh, I, yeah, I know who he is, okay, but I haven't okay. seen any of his stuff. So right you know, David Lynch, it's it's a lot of visual, and it's a lot of absurdity, and it's a lot of you know experiment. It's kind of like that where his this guy's movies are kind of like that in that. Um, it's meant to shock you, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, especially yeah. with the it's of, like, meant to make you uncomfortable. Yeah, it's meant right. to make, so. It's an emotional movie mm-hmm. like that. It, there is a story. It's about it's about a woman who's uh, a bulimic and she goes down this this rabbit hole. Like her disease takes her down, and it just she, um, you know, ha- starts having visions of hell through through the you know through her drug use and her bulimia and all these kinds of things, and so you're seeing distorted life through her perspective as she's going further and further down into despair. And so, okay. And that's on the surface, but when you're watching it, I can guarantee you, you're not thinking of that synopsis because you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm a, I'm watching this and B that someone put this on film. This is, this sounds interesting. Well, it like sounds I, like it sounds like if Darren Aronofsky were to make an actual horror film, because in my, like for me, when I watch, I don't, I won't watch them anymore, mm-hmm. right? Darren Aronofsky films just make me uh, to the point of physically uncomfortable, right? Because of that's what he's trying to do. That's the goal that he's trying to accomplish. Yeah. And I actually feel like his films are horror movies, not in the traditional horror movie sense. But Requiem for a Dream, oh my God. I mean, right. or Black movie. Swan, that's Black Swan is... Black Swan. Oh yeah, is, or I mean, any of them. Any pick any Darren Aronofsky film, and the end result is you have watched something that you, for me anyway, I have watched something that I know is a triumph of filmmaking. I know it is a genius's vision. I know it's an extremely well crafted film. And I know I don't like it, you know, um, because it disturbs you. But like, I, I often feel the same way about. There are other filmmakers that I feel the same way about. Like, I, I genuinely enjoy watching Paul Thomas Anderson films. I really do. But when I finish one, I am left with exactly the same feeling every time, which is very similar to what I just described about Darren Aronofsky films. I know I have seen a, a work of art. 
I know I have seen an auteur's vision. I know I have seen something that took dedication and craft from everybody who was involved, and I have no idea what I just watched. I do not know what happened. I do not know what I'm supposed to walk away from that movie with. Like, there will be blood. I didn't, like, I, I was like, it is, is, it's a phenomenal film. Was there a point to it? No. And, and as you, like, dig into it, you actually find out, like, you, you read interviews with with uh pt anderson and and you you actually find out like no there it, it actually literally is everything you watch magnolia literally everything is on the surface there isn't like a deeper meaning to it the takeaway is this is what happened deal with it yeah you know it's it's funny if i if i may interject there is that that you know we're talking about horror movies and yes i'm a horror movie fan but if i were to pick my top three movies if you if if you ask me what are your favorite three movies or what are in your opinion the best three movies magnolia is my number one well and, oh wow I, really I, it's yeah and and, and and because of where i was in my life when i saw it in the theater sure. and being that i have depression issues and anxiety issues and that movie is wrought with sadness and despair like yeah it struck a a nerve with me uh psychologically emotionally like i i i feel like so i'll watch magnolia sometimes to make myself feel like shit because i'm like right because there's something uh, with, with cathartic about it mm. um but yeah like magnolia and, is just like I, that's the time and magnolia movie, right? yeah. yeah and yeah. magnolia is it's a fantastic it's film it's, it's a beautiful movie. film and I, like just... i i don't want to mischaracterize like i i like watching i i am at the point where i don't like watching darren aronofsky films <laughs> i like watching pt anderson films i do like i Punch really love the fun and, movie and yeah. and, and yeah. Punch it! It absolutely is. I like the way he makes movies. I, I I enjoy the movies, and I think maybe one of the reasons I enjoy them is because they're difficult, mm-hmm. because they make you try to like. You feel like you need the Cliff's Notes. You feel like I feel like I need a guide to unravel this movie, and and it takes a certain amount of genius to make a movie like that when. The answer actually is, no, you don't need a guide. You're inventing complexity that was not intentional. The intent was just to put the vision on the screen. And that takes a certain kind of genius. You know, and it's good to kind of watch a movie and just digest it for what it is. You know, like how many times do you go watch a movie and, and you're forced to like, oh, he's saying... You know this and this. This is the symbol. This is the symbolism that he's hitting me in the face with. You know, like you know that 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 shit gets old. It's nice to go see a movie and just enjoy it for what it is, right? Mm. Right. And, but how many times do we get to do that nowadays? Everybody yeah. has to have some hidden thing in it, right? And that's good too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I like those movies too. I like the exercise of sitting there and mm-hmm. sit, trying to decipher the the hidden intention or, or symbol or whatever that the 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 author is making but you know sometimes you know i like to go see a movie and just enjoy it for what it is mm. escapism to, yeah, yeah escapism because yeah. that's what movies are about right? right right but um one thing i wanted to ask you and i and i want to make sure i ask you this question because i i'm hanging on uh i've been waiting for my moment to ask you i'm just going to ask you now um when it comes to writing first of all like i try to write i fucking hate it <laughs> I can't, I, I, I have several ideas that I've been f- 
fucking kicking around and every time i sit down to like write a script or something it doesn't get very far and it's a pain in the ass and it's it's uh i follow one podcast uh it's called uh, the q a with jeff goldstein i think it is I, i'll put it in the comments or in the in the description but this guy he he interviews like writers and directors and stuff and talks about just writing for film and everybody's like yeah it's a pain in the ass right and I, like so i have to ask you like where do you get your inspiration from how long does it take you to write a script and how do you how do you like how many scripts do you have going at once and and, and let's start with those three questions cuz i got more but well um between 2010 and 2011 i made three movies mm -hmm. and that was my most productive period because like you know not knowing all the rules of screenwriting i think also kind of helps because like now it's like okay now i've gone to i've taken some screenwriting classes i've read books i mm -hmm. know the formatting and stuff and i find a lot of times that I get so hung up on the damn format, mm, it yeah. stops me in my tracks, right. and then I lose momentum. Yeah. So not knowing of all the rules was kind of cool because then it's like you just kind of just do it. You put you it on paper, write. and it didn't really matter how it looked. The actors still said their lines, and yet it wasn't formatted right. So it all worked, and people still knew what the movie was going to look like, and it just wasn't formatted correctly. But yeah, that was my most productive because I would I would you know like the first movie i think maybe i wrote it in like maybe three months two months yeah. oh pretty, that's fantastic pretty yeah. fast yeah and then um we filmed it and as soon as that movie was done and premiered because I, I would i would host premiere i'd like rent out a theater and we'd have a premiere party that's awesome um i went straight into writing the other one and then same thing cycle and so like after the third movie it was like it just kind of stopped and i i uh worked on some other stuff but i wish i hadn't lost that momentum but like michael mm. myers absolute evil was um because i wanted it to to look as authentic as possible so i wrote out the entire script the entire thing was written out mm -hmm. but um i literally told every actor don't memorize the script this okay. is your blueprint right so you're the uh you're playing the role of an author who wrote a book about dr sam loomis so know what kind of a person writes a biography about a deceased psychiatrist who is uh, hunting a serial killer. You know, get yourself into that mind space. Mm -hmm. Here's where, here are, and, and because like the, 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 to bring the conversation to Michael Myers, mm -hmm. it, it, absolute evil is that um, Halloween is my favorite movie, horror movie franchise. Okay. Um, However, I absolutely hate that there are so many different timelines to it mm. that like it's not it's that you know like uh you can watch Halloween like you know I don't did you guys see the Halloween that came out like 2 years ago? No, uh, I I remember seeing Yeah, I I saw that. With, yeah. The, the, the latest one. I guess, yeah. I guess it was 2018. Where they they actually brought Jamie Lee Curtis back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that movie does away with everything else. Yeah, so it that ultimately movie is a does. direct sequel to Halloween 1978. I hate that. Well, I mean, okay, <laughs> first, first of all, the movie was good. Yeah, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like say it was. It was. Like, it but was, you don't like doing away with canon. No, no, because yeah. like, uh, I love Halloween too. When he goes mm. into the hospital, um, 
you know, so there's like these different timelines in the Halloween universe. Like he goes Halloween one, two, and then they made four, five, and six, and that involved uh, Sam Hain and the Thorn Cult and all this other kind of stuff. And then Miramax, or not not Miramax. Oh yeah, Miramax had it for Halloween six, but then I don't know what happened to Halloween H two O, the twentieth anniversary one. They just decided, well, we don't like four, five, and six, so all that stuff just didn't happen. Here's Jamie Lee Curtis back, and, yeah. You know, but, and then she went to Halloween eight, and so like now that's happened twice actually, right? And so she, and, then, and then she, you know, well, can I give a spoiler? Yeah, go for it. Halloween eight resurrection, she dies. Right. But now we see her again. Now you know? she's back. So yeah. I hated that they kept on getting rid of Now, the Absolute Evil came out before Halloween 2018 was even announced. So that's why my movie ends at Halloween Resurrection. And then the Rob Zombie movies, because I disliked them so much, I treated <laughs> them as if they were the... Okay, so Absolute Evil treats uh, Halloween 1 through... Uh, resurrection as as if they were things that actually happened mm -hmm. that those weren't actually movies get out of your mind that those were movies that like those were all real life things and he did all those things and then i treated the rob zombie movies as if it was hollywood making a movie about michael myers and how poor of a job they did <laughs> so, right. so that that was that was that sort of take on it but like yeah. my my goal was to take all these timelines and show that you can actually have all of them and they all can still work together. And to do that, I am, I added new characters and I actually mm -hmm. went down, you know, a copycat killer and the thorn cult blossoming into a more organized crime type. Uh, um, Ultimately you did your own retconning yep. to make it all fit. Yep. And right. Exactly. Cause you I, know. as a fan of Halloween and loving, Michael Myers is my favorite slasher. I wanted it to be together. The the ending. So the ending to Absolute Evil, you have that awesome scene where you have all these kids kind of visit that hospital, right? Yeah. And they're going through this place and they're like, oh, this is where this happened and this is yeah. where that happened. And they start hearing noises and then a, Mac a Michael Myers comes up. Now, that's not Michael Myers, is it? Or is it somebody else? No, that's, that's Michael Myers. Myers? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was awesome because yeah, because I was the funny thing too is it's like I don't know what it was I should have known it was coming but I was sitting there I was like oh this is cool like I enjoyed it in concept so thoroughly yeah oh, thank that you. that's that that's the fan fiction that you chose to make right. was was to present it as not fiction yeah right, right? like like your your great. version of fan much, fiction thanks. seriously yeah was to treat it as if it was you know, real, a, a real occurrence and make a documentary out of it. And I really enjoyed that. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's, that's nice to hear. And, and I'd like to add two, two things really quickly about where, where absolute evil came from. So being a, fa a fan of Michael Myers, my favorite slasher and, and the Halloween movies. But, um, one, like why it became a documentary is cause it was way cheaper to film that. Yeah. Oh, it sure. Would be to do action sequences and filming at night. So we got to tell a complete story simply through talking heads. Yes. And me using photos from the movies and stuff like that. So cost efficient wise, like it was as cheap or inexpensive as you could make a feature film because 
as you saw, it was simply actors sitting in front of a camera, except for the haunted Haddonfield portion. Yeah. And then as far as like, um, you know, I, I had all done original stuff before Absolute Evil. Mm-hmm. And no one was watching it on YouTube, which, of course, you know, that, that's what happened. That's the way it is. Sure, yeah. of course. But around 2014-15, I fell down the YouTube rabbit hole of fan films. And I started seeing that there, I think Halloween and Michael Myers have the most horror movie fan films on YouTube. People love Michael Myers. Really? And I started noticing 36,000, huh. 10,000. Oh shit! Like the most views I've ever gotten is like four hundred. I'm like, but because and it, but the formula is simple because you have a built-in audience already. You're not trying to win anyone over. Uh-huh. Right. People already know the exposition of the characters. You yeah. don't have to explain anything. All people really want is because you know how you know uh, uh, Hollywood will make a Halloween movie in a few <laughs> years. People just want to see oh another kill or another kind yeah. of thing like this. Yeah. So. When I started seeing the popularity of fan films, I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. And as I started writing it out, I'm like, I can't film action sequences. I can't film at night. I can't do it. Uh, but what I can do is make a mockumentary yeah. in which people are telling the story. And brilliant. so it became a talking head yeah. movie. Hey, and then the love it. Haddonfield, thank you. And then the yeah. Haddon Haddonfield thing, the, the fourth part of the movie, yeah. um, that's like all original. But because Halloween 2 is my favorite installment or second favorite of course after the original i wanted to revisit haddonfield memorial hospital which is the scene the, the setting of halloween 2 uh-huh. and so and this is an interesting story if i may go on a tangent about, about the making of that um that we rent i rented out a uh, so on the north side of chicago um i can't remember where exactly but through helping other people make movies i found this location it's a block long it's all uh, underground uh-huh. it was a speakeasy for al capone back in the 20s oh and was it in cicero no it was it was on the north side of chicago near oh. near um interesting uh, uh, um rogers park okay okay and so uh it was a speakeasy and it was i think it's either a half a block long or an entire block long You'd never know it, and you had to go through this this uh, this uh, resale shop down the basement. All of a sudden, you were like, Whoa. and they had I, the owner, this guy named Elvis, told me that <laughs> it was the first in ground indoor swimming pool. So there's a scene where um, the very first time you hear Michael Myers is he's descending into the therapy. Uh, pool, yeah, it was actually, yeah. It was actually a, a, a swimming pool that that at the speakeasy people would go and and all those you know they would go swimming underground. It was <laughs> it was a we- now it's completely dilapidated as you saw, but I'm like, well, this would make a perfect burnt down, dilapidated, abandoned hospital yeah. with no power because all the lights came from our flashlights and our camera. We didn't use any. We didn't because I wanted it to look real. Yeah, so all the lights came from just what we had. That's we didn't set perfect. up studio lights or anything because, mm-hmm. and also there's no electricity down there. Yeah, so we had to use battery operated everything. So it so, must have been creepy just being down there. Yeah, so it's haunted. It's haunted down and there. Legit, like <laughs> haunted. And we saw and heard some freaky shit. Was it, so how long were you down there? We could only have it for a day, and uh-huh. so we had our five actors, and then um, I had just one assistant with me, my friend John Coglin. Uh huh. 
um, who appeared in the movie. He was uh, Alan Sensabaugh, an oh, author okay. in the movie that he helped on the making of Haunted Haddonfield. And um, uh, yeah, it was a day. And because that's all the guy would give it to me for was a day. I can't remember how much I paid him, but like I, you know, it was I rented it out for a day. And I mean, there was rats and roaches, Ooh. and it was just it was Ooh. just disgusting. It hadn't been used since like 1930 something. Yeah, Ooh. and so it just got worse and worse down there. And uh, because there's no lights, he was like, you know only go this far because if you get lost i'm never gonna find you oh shit there were doors you open that was brick walls and there were some hallways that led to nowhere because if the cops ever raided it they wanted places to hide yeah yeah you had you had false hallways you had false rooms you had rooms that like it was creepy because the further in you went the 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 further down you went Mm -hmm. and there was a whole nother level below that and he's like you're not allowed to go down there yeah. So it was a basement below the basement. He's like, you're not allowed to go down here. So um, when we were filming that stuff, like we had to be very careful with the actors. Like, okay, when you go running, you know, we tried to clear debris away as much as we can, but it's like, you know, I'm putting my camera on, on the woman's shoulder. I'm like, go running, but just please don't fall and please don't try to run into anything because all you have Cause is Because we're not insured. You're doing this and, yeah. and you're shaking it and you're running into these Oh, rooms. wow. Jesus Christ. So it was, but it was... The, when 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 I rented it, the guy told me he's like, just so you know, I had a ghost hunter show down here, and they filmed, and it's it's haunted, and I'm like, did that <laughs> put the idea in my head, or is it really haunted? But like, everyone kind of experienced this shit. Wow. Kind of so the fact that we made a haunted hospital movie in a haunted in a haunted place, place was that's perfect. Yeah, it worked out great. Wow, man, dude, and that was that was perfect too. Like you got. Like, it was funny because I was following the movie and you legitimately got me to jump. And I was like, boom. Oh, no. like, <laughs> right. You got me. I remember sitting there. I'm like, all right, man. You got me. Yeah. You got me. You got me yeah. good. You got oh, me real good. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Well, because up until that point, it's like a straight documentary. Yes. You know? And it was very intriguing. You, yeah. You, and you you saved that, that release of the spring, release of the trap to the perfect moment. Yeah. I was totally, I, I was totally relaxed. I didn't see it coming at all. I was like... And then I'm like, oh, they're they're in the in the hospital, and there's these kids, and I'm thinking, no, oh, eventually maybe something will happen, maybe you know. And it's like, ah. <laughs> that was, that, I think I know the jump scare you're talking about. That got a nice uh, reaction at the theater too. It was, it was cool to see people's hands kind of go up. And they, <laughs> nice. And they saw that one is, particular. Is story. that what you live for to get the to get the? the it's fun. I mean, yeah. like jump scares are easy, right? Like mm-hmm. it's as long as you can pace it out right, and you don't make it too boring, and you you know, like a jump scare can. I mean, I say it's easy, but there's an art to making a good jump scare. But like that was a lot of fun, like to be able to do that. So explain, explain the art of, of the jump scare. Well, it's like, you know, like anything you could do it well, or you can do it poorly. You know, Uh, you watch horror movies and they attempt to be atmospheric and it's just boring. Right. They attempt to do a jump scare and you're so disinterested that you're not even freaked out by it. Oh, yeah. good jump scares I, to me is all the atmosphere leading up to it. And yeah. that's why I say it's like, you can have a slow burner movie as long as it's not boring. Like, can you make it just interesting enough to where people are kind of hanging on? But then when something does happen, like, Oh shit, like yeah. now I'm snapped into something else. And yeah. I'm a new part of the movie. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, like the original Halloween 1978, like, 
I think the reason why it's so iconic, it freaked people out. I mean, it was one of the first slash. You could, yeah, you could say Psycho was the first slasher movie, but like the jump scares in that. And, and the other thing too, it was fascinating about Michael Myers is he didn't move fast. Mm-hmm. Right, he walked everywhere, and yeah, to add to the pacing of it, like that that scene near the end where Jamie Lee Curtis is pounding on the door, he's just walking across the street. And he's not chasing her. And yeah. you're just like, oh shit. Like, you know. And it's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. And then when he pops out from behind the couch, that's the jump scare. Like, where the hell is he? Here he is. And if I get one more thing out there, like, uh, I'd like to sing the praises of the cast of Absolute Evil because, again, they were all so amazing. I can't say enough about them. Um, they're all incredible. And I will stand behind all of them as having been great to me, great people, and great performers. I'm going to drop only one name. Uh, they're all wonderful, but I'm only going to name one person in particular. Um, uh, it, it was the woman who played Lindsay Wallace. Her name is Michelle Corvey. Um, I met her through a person that I was working on another uh, film project. And I'm bringing her up because she set the tone for the movie. She was the first person I, she was the second person I filmed for this movie. And like I said, like I wrote her her script and I said, but you just be Lindsay and you do whatever. And she was familiar with Halloween. Like her husband has written books about horror movies. So they're a horror movie couple, I guess. Oh, nice. And um, I showed <laughs> That's up a category of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... yeah. <laughs> the first time I had ever met her yeah. was the day I showed up to film her. Uh-huh. I didn't know anything about her other than people telling me she's a great actor and she, Obviously, she was. And we, I think we just emailed back and forth. But I showed up. I had no idea how she was going to portray Lindsay Wallace, who is the little girl from Halloween 1 who escapes with mm. Tommy Doyle. I had no idea how she was going to do it. And, um, you know, a true actor, like she can flip it on and off almost to a creepy level because it was like she was so cool. Like she's like this woman who's just like strong and she's like, she does like kickboxing and stuff. And she's just like super uber cool. Like, Oh my God, like you're I don't even deserve to be in the same building as you. You're just awesome. <laughs> and she was just so kind. And then I'm like, okay, you ready to go? Yep. Action. Just the yeah. switch. And she portrayed with her look, her, her, the way she sat. I mean, she has, she has, um, um, you know, like the shirt she wore was revealing her arms and, and you could see like the muscle tone in it and her confidence. And she was just like this really confident woman. And it's like, I'm like, she's going there because like she, she portrayed Lindsay as a survivor of a traumatic yeah, event. Yeah, absolutely. Like if, if we were to add backstory or story after it's like mm. she had this horrible childhood as a result of this thing. But she decided not to be a victim. She decided to, to overcome it. So she became this confident person. And through the interview, when she started crying at certain parts, when she was recollecting upon the events of Halloween 1978, it was so cool. Because it's like, she built up this really strong woman. But then like, also the other thing too was I asked her, treat me like I'm an actual documentary filmmaker. Yeah. Right? I'm like, let's pretend, like, let's just try to go for it and do this as real as possible and she went for it and when she cracked yeah and when she started crying when she was talking about annie brackett and stuff and especially when she was recollecting about michael myers and seeing him walk across the street and when she was recounting laurie strode and all that kind of stuff like 
I remember I got home. I didn't know how to, like the script. She was featured first, right? But I'm like in editing, you can change everything up. Yeah. But I watched her footage. I showed it to my wife, and I'm like, she gave me the confidence. Like, I think this can be good because solely sure. from her performance, her confidence in me. Yeah. And so Michelle, thank you so much. You were you were mm. really why this movie went kept on going. Like I could have stopped so many times. Everyone was wonderful, but she set the tone. And her at the beginning of the movie as an adult Lindsay Wallace talking about her childhood, mm-hmm. I'm like, this makes it feel like a real documentary. Absolutely. Isn't that yeah. important, man? To like get that get the people that you all of a sudden you feel, you know what? I think I can do this. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you get you get like that's how I I had moments like that in the podcast where I get people on here and it's just like, you know, I didn't think I was gonna be able to do this, but I think I could do this, you know, like, and then I came along and, then, <laughs> and it was like, shit, I can't do this. <laughs> so, um, let's wind down. Um, before we go, you want to plug something? You got something you want to tell us about? Are you working on something right now? You got a movie coming up? Or? Uh, no, no, no new movies. I'm still writing. I'm still not, not sure if it's going to be a movie or a book. I'm focusing more on a book just because of the cost and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you got plugging really just my YouTube channel, which if you if you just search for Michael Myers Absolute Evil, um uh that'll take you to my YouTube page and you can see all the short films I did. Uh I did a um I made in twenty eighteen I made a legit documentary about a women's deathmatch wrestling tournament. Um talk about real gore, mm. like this was real blood in that. And this was, you know, mm. this was as ultra violent as you get. And it was just like sanctioned violence. But like that was, <laughs> um, that was a cool project to do it. But yeah, if you, if you re- it was called Femme Fatales, Women of the Death Match. Cool. But if you go, if you look up Michael Myers Absolute Evil on YouTube, that'll take you to my YouTube page and everything you need to know about me is up there. Cool. I'll make sure to put a link to your YouTube page oh, in the, you. uh, in the description and all the stuff that I put out. Thanks. It's it's ad nauseum eleven, 11 right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's your channel. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. So uh, I guess. How we'll... come you never ask me if I got anything to plug? Well, go ahead and plug. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in the description too. <laughs> <laughs> All the pages I don't have. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, but like I always I always you know tag you on everything. <laughs> I feel the love. It's cool. All right. <laughs> I want to say thank you to both you guys for having me on. This was a really cool experience. A lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's great. To your show. Thanks, man. It's been. It's you have a great show, and thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. And maybe we'll do this again, man. Well, I mean, if you make another movie, when or when you make another movie, or you make that book, let me know. I'll get you back on. Thank you. Yeah. All right. All right. So then, this is Igor Traves with our special guest, Rick Gavel, and not my cousin Dan, my co-host. This time I am just going to stare at you. (laughs) All right. Now it's getting weird. (laughs) There he goes, stealing people's shit. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. Bye. The song you're listening to is titled Night Driver by Ballpoint and Kushi. You can find them over at Epidemic Sound. Make sure you use my referral link in the description. If you like what you heard, make sure you check out our website at theflowrollpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes along with a store. You can buy yourself a mug, a t-shirt, maybe some wall art, etc. 
We are also on social media. You can find us primarily on Instagram under the name The Flow Roll. Check us out there for more goofy content. Now, support the show by liking, subscribing, commenting, wherever you get your podcasts at. And make sure you press all the buttons that make the podcast gods happy. Rick Gabble is just an interesting cat. And I really like the story of his wife pitching in and, and, and getting him the hands-on education he needed for creating these movies and uh look at the product man i mean michael myers absolute evil it's uh, it's really good like it's really good make sure you check it out you're gonna find everything you need to find rick in the description so we're still gonna be doing the one episode a week but you could always go back into our catalog this will be like the 75th episode so that means you got another 74 episodes you can check out if you're really thirsty for some more flow roll thanks so much for listening i really appreciate all your support i am edgar otra vez and i will catch you next time laters